Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. John chapter 1 tonight is where we're going to uh, gonna be this evening, and um, I can't get any slides to come up. Are there slides there, Carlos? All right, well, Carlos, you got to do this. We've just had a wonderful thing with these iPads lately. There we go. Thank you. Did you press something, Carlos? You helped me. Carlos working his magic back there. <clears throat> well, we've been uh, going through 2 Samuel on Sunday nights, but tonight, really with, uh, with Easter coming up right around the corner, just uh, God laid a, a thought on my heart that I wanted to preach in a passage that's very familiar to us, but just about every single one of us, we have heard it, and we have all probably said it at one time or another, the phrase, come and see, come and see. Um, maybe you are uh, the, the Lego lover. I know our kids love Legos, and I can't tell you how many times uh, the kids have come in with, with something and said, Dad, you've got to look and see, or Dad, come down, you've got to come and see. Uh, maybe you're the person who likes... Um, likes entertainment and you, you like certain movies or certain aspects of movies. I know uh, Rob back here, because of his uh, heart with cinematography, there's been a couple movies that have come out and Rob goes, Pastor, you've got to rent this one because the cinematography on this one is incredible. Pastor, you've got to see this. Uh, maybe you're a nature lover. Um, and perhaps you're all of these, but maybe you're a nature lover and you've been somewhere where just the scene was majestic. And you, you wanted to share it with somebody. Every time we go to Israel, uh, of course, the sun is rising there, and usually it's evening time here. And I can't tell you how many people I FaceTimed with from Israel over the Sea of Galilee as the sun is setting, going, you've got to see this, or the sun is rising. You've got to see this. And uh, you know what? When you see something great or when something has impacted your life, usually it's like, i got to share this with somebody. And I don't want to be the only one to enjoy this scene. I don't want to be the only one to enjoy this creation that I made. I don't want to be the only one uh, to enjoy the cinematography of this video or this film, whatever it may be. And all too often, we, uh, man, all of us, we have that spirit of come and see. I want to tell you tonight that the, the main thing in our life should not be a uh, a scene. It shouldn't be a creation. It shouldn't be a, a beautiful picturesque uh, sunset. And the main thing in our life that we should have the spirit of come and see should be Christ. Amen. You think about this tonight. Think, think and we, we talked about it this morning. Robert, of course, on, on Thursday preached that. I'm picking on you a lot tonight, Robert. Uh, Robert preached that message this last Thursday out of the book of Titus, and, and really, it, it was just a, a blessing to, to me to, to reflect on the simplicity of the gospel. I had a friend this morning, that, or this afternoon, that just uh, put out on social media that the gospel is so simple and yet so profound. And aren't you thankful for the simplicity of Jesus? And that Jesus truly said, just, just come unto me. He said, just receive me. He said, just uh, understanding he is the way, the truth, and the life, just put your faith in me and forgiveness is completely yours. And what an incredible Savior we have. And tonight I want to encourage us to take the desire of we've found something good and allowing that to spark the come and see attitude. The come and see attitude that says, I found Jesus Christ and I want others to come and see. This was common, uh, uh, really a common response in the lives of the early believers. And the passage we're going to be at tonight is, is very familiar if you've been in church for any length of time. But John chapter 1 is where we're going to be tonight. And we're going to notice that come and see attitude. John chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 40 down through verse number 46. Why don't you stand with me, if you would, as we get in the Word of God. John chapter 1, beginning in verse number 40. Just want to read a few verses and then we'll pray and get the message tonight. <clears throat> John chapter 1, 
And verse number 40, it just says this. We're kind of jumping in on the middle of a story. So we'll cover the story in a second. But I want to just get these middle verses to start. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. And he findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip, he was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael. And say unto him, and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, unto Philip, Can there any good thing, can, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And just come and see. This is a great time at the beginning of the ministry of Christ. And in these verses, we find uh, the response of you've got to experience what I've experienced. You've got to come and see for yourself. And tonight, we're going to receive that personal challenge and really a personal encouragement this week before Easter to understand that when we tell people to come and see, When we invite people this week to to services, when we invite them to attend uh, an in-person service and we maybe give out a gospel invitation, invitation to the event or or to the service or we invite them to watch online, tonight we're going to notice not only that we should have the attitude of come and see, but what are we inviting them to come and see? Who are we inviting them to come and see? We're going to see it in this passage. I think it'll be a help and an encouragement to us. And so let's pray. And then we'll get into the word of God tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Why don't you, just in the quietness of your own heart, just ask God to settle your mind. Take a minute and just eliminate some of the distractions. And tonight, would you just give God permission to speak to you? Dear God, I just want to come to you tonight and thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it to speak to us. Thank you that it's a living book. And God, that regardless of of me as a pastor, regardless of the, uh, the thoughts and words that I may say, God, that your spirit can use your word to speak to us in ways that we cannot imagine. And so I pray that you do just that tonight. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be challenged and refreshed. Help us to be reminded. God, help us to be encouraged tonight to have a spirit that says, I want to go tell others to come and see. God, I pray that you challenge my heart tonight and help me. We love you, Lord, and pray that you bless the time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. John chapter 1, of course, this morning we were in Luke 19. And this morning we were in really the last nine or ten days of the life of Christ. And a great, great study, a great study, studying out those last few days and what took place. And tonight we're actually coming to the beginning, uh, the beginning of the ministry of Christ. As a matter of fact, when you come to John chapter number one, many believe that at this time no miracles had been done. Uh, now, I, I don't know necessarily, I know we look in scripture and understand the marriage of Cana, the water and the wine was the first recorded miracle, uh, but personally, I think there was some times along Jesus's earlier life that some things were done, maybe that we uh, uh, don't know about, because the Bible says that his his siblings knew who he was, but did not believe on him until after the resurrection. But regardless, John chapter one, not any big open miracles had been done yet. Jesus is just really beginning the earthly ministry. We're probably probably just in the very first few days of what would be the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. If you were to go to John 1, I I believe in this time 
uh, that um, Jesus has already uh, resorted to the, the wilderness and been uh, tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights and some different things maybe that had taken place around this time shortly before or shortly after. And there's just a lot that take place in John chapter number one. But one of the things that you find in John 1 is a lot of people beginning to follow Christ. And what an exciting time, getting in on the early days of something. I've been, of course, with the church's 10th anniversary just uh, a couple of weeks ago. That kind of led me down the, the thought of, of church planting in those early days. And I, I'll tell you, I shared a lot of it on anniversary Sunday, but while there, while, while there were a number of challenges Honestly, what a great, exciting time. Man, there were some fun days. We got to go last week to Ridgepoint Baptist up to uh, Wenatchee and talking with Micah and Rebecca. And, and it was just awesome. We took them out to lunch and just spent, I think we spent two hours at lunch just talking, how are things going? And even though we see them every Thursday here and spend time together, it was just so awesome. It was, it was almost uh, contagious, their excitement about the early days of church planting and the guests that have been coming and, and uh, oh, pastor, did you see so-and-so? Well, that guy who was there, they got invited by him just going doing that down that line. And I was just thinking, man, I remember that. Those early, getting in on the early days of something's exciting. Can you imagine getting in on the early days of the ministry of Christ? Man, just those foundational days. And that's what we're reading taking place in John chapter number one. But here's what happens is that when, when people met Christ, and this is, this is all throughout all four gospels, that when people met Jesus and believed on him, they went and told others. But I want you to notice, notice this, and we don't, we don't have time tonight, and I almost did a study of all the people who told somebody else about Jesus in the four Gospels, but really it would be a, a, probably a multiple-week study that we would look at. Even the critics of Jesus told others about him. Even the Pharisees told others about him. Now, the Pharisees tried to tell others to, to uh, dispute him or to uh, uh, defame the name of Jesus Christ, but usually it had the alternative effect that it would actually encourage people towards him. Uh, I'm thinking even about Nicodemus. In John chapter number three, Nicodemus had found out about Jesus through the ministry of Christ, but also by the spread of the word through the other Pharisees. And yet John three tells us about Nicodemus coming to Christ. And basically the thought I wanna get at tonight is the fact that when you meet Christ, when Jesus really changes your life, man, there's a desire to tell people. There's going to be a desire to tell people. Why? Something great's happened. Man, I've, I've met the one who saved me. I've, I've received forgiveness. I have hope and joy inside of me, and the list could go on and on. And it's not a secret that I preach often about the fact that when you meet Christ, man, you, you and I, we have an opportunity and an obligation to tell people about Jesus. And the fact of the matter is that we have this ongoing responsibility to always be about the business of telling people who Jesus is. And can I tell you tonight that Easter time is a great time to do that? Easter time is a great time to do that. We've been talking about it at our church uh, recently that really this year is a great opportunity to get out and tell folks about Christ and invite them to Easter because people are looking for hope. I mentioned on Thursday, driving through a coffee shop here in town and and as we were going through it, Hannah just pulled out a track and said, right as we were leaving, said, hey, I want to give this to you, invite you to our church. And the girl leaned out the window, grabbed the track and said, really, I've been thinking that I should probably go to church for Easter. I'll come there. Like, I, that's so cool. I just thought of, and kind of had that little bit of a that conversation. There are people tonight, right now, there are people pillowing their head, getting ready, getting ready for bed, wrapping up their night, uh, maybe getting ready for their week of work. And they don't know it yet, but God's going to allow you or me to cross their path. And God knows it. And God's ordained a time and a place where you're going to be in a conversation with a coworker, in a conversation with a cashier, or in a conversation with that barista, in a conversation with that neighbor or that loved one. And God's going to put it on your heart to have the spirit of, you know what, I need to invite them to, to come and see. But what are we inviting them to come and see? Is it a church? Is it a pastor? Is it music? Is it just to come and see this 
Many believe this fictitious character, Jesus. Or are we inviting them to come and see something different? I come tonight to John chapter number one, and I want to bring out some specifics of who we are inviting them to come and see. When you invite someone to come and meet Christ, to come and see Jesus, who exactly are you inviting them to come and see? I notice, first of all, from our passage tonight, John chapter 1, verse 35, down through verse number 51, is that we are inviting them to come and see the master. Inviting them to come and see the master. Go back, if you will, in our passage to verse number 35. John chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. Let's get the context of what's taking place in our passage. Again, the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples... And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for because it was about the 10th hour. As you come to this portion of scripture, many would date this particular passage to, uh, again, just after the temptation of Jesus Christ. And you'll remember that Jesus had been gone into the wilderness. And after he came out of that wilderness, that temptation time, uh, he, was, he was baptized by John the Baptist. And as Jesus is just been baptized the day before. That's what took place. And the day before, when Jesus, after Jesus was baptized, here's what you read taking place. The next day, John seeth Jesus. No, we just read that. Verse 29. Now that's right. Yeah, let me, let me actually turn on my Bible right here instead of looking at this. When it says the next day, oh, that's what I was getting at. When it says the next day, John seeth Jesus coming, saith unto him, uh, and he saith, behold, the Lamb of God would take away, taketh away the sin of the world. What has, what has been happening is the day before when Jesus got baptized, John, he was recounting to all of the people that were there. He was telling them about Jesus being baptized, and he's telling them about this uh, amazing miracle of seeing the dove descend and the Holy Spirit descend like a dove upon Jesus Christ. And, and as John is telling them this, hey, that all happened yesterday. Man, listen, I can't believe it. Yesterday I was baptizing, and I, I, I believe that John, of course, Jesus was his cousin They knew that. They had that relationship. I think he's probably saying, man, yesterday I baptized my cousin. This incredible thing happened. Man, it was like a a crazy thing. This light shone from heaven and a a dove descended upon Jesus. And I I heard the voice of God say that this is my beloved son. And, And you can imagine those people that are there. They're going, well, John, who is this guy? John, who is this man? And when you come to John 1, 29 through 34, that's what we're reading. Because John says, as he's just told them all this, Jesus comes on the scene. And John says, behold, hey, there he is, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Well, one of those men, one of those men that was there is is Andrew. We read it just a second ago that one of those men was, was Andrew. And I won't go through and read all of these verses, but Andrew and another, they, they follow after Jesus. After John, I mean, John had disciples. We know that John was a teacher and gathered people to himself. And, and so when John had told them, he's the one to follow, right? John was preaching, I am not the Messiah, but I am the front runner. I am the one who's coming right before the Messiah. Now he's pointed out who the Messiah is. You know what Andrew does? Hey, John, you've been a great teacher, but I'm following him. And so they follow Jesus. But then they ask Jesus a question. But they preface that question with a title. The title is Rabbi. Rabbi, whence dwellest thou? Rabbi, where do you live? Now John, the author John, pens for us in a little parenthesis right there that Rabbi is being interpreted as master. Now, I don't, want to, uh, I don't want us to miss this tonight, but the, the word rabbi, when it says being interpreted master, it simply just means master. 
That's what the Greek word rabbi would mean is master or great teacher. But in their culture, and at this time, we need to know that when they called him rabbi, it was not just saying you're a great teacher. No, they were calling him master of everything. Master, whence dwellest thou? Rabbi, whence dwellest thou? Where do you live? Jesus said, come and see, and then they would spend the entire day with Christ. Now, later, we're going to discover, and if you did a study, you would see it in the life of Christ, that uh, they certainly would later come to find out that Jesus truly is the master of life. But I want us to understand that when they called him master, Jesus didn't correct them. He didn't say, no, 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 I'm not. No, because Jesus knew who he was. And here's my thought tonight that when you and I, when we have a spirit that says, come and see, we're inviting people to come and see the master. Well, the master of what? Yes. He's the master of life. He's the master, the greatest teacher. Rabbi, master, teacher, rabbi, master, uh, 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 creator, rabbi, he's the master of everything. And here's the thought that I want us to understand tonight as we look at this, that as they talk to him about being a master, Jesus, uh, a rabbi, he did not uh, correct them because he understood who he was and, and they were simply recognizing him saying, hey, we believe we found the greatest. Now, there were others, we know this from Scripture, there were others, other teachers they called rabbi, but there would not be other teachers who were truly the master teacher. No, that's Jesus. Can I say tonight that every single person is designed wanting, every single human being is designed wanting and needing a master of life? Oh, I'm not talking about a slave driver. I'm talking about every one of us are in need of a relationship with the creator of this life. And we we need that relationship with him and somebody who knows this life and somebody who knows the choices that need to be made and should be made, somebody who knows what is around the corner and can teach us our way through it and how to navigate it. And these men, they come to Christ wanting to, to find the master and they're there asking him, are you the master teacher? And Jesus simply says to them, come and see. He gives them the invitation. Hey, where dwellest thou? Hey, what are you all about? And Jesus just says, Come and see. That phrase, come and see, said by Jesus is an invitation to to join with. It's not just an invitation of, oh, come check out my my lodging. It's an invitation to come and join with. What are are you about, master? Where do you dwell? What, What is your life? Where do you abide? What's going on? And Jesus simply gives them the invitation, come and see. And can I tell you, uh, tonight, and we can help, uh, we can find some understanding in this that when we just invite people to Christ, we're not inviting them to just a person that's a, a figment of imagination or even a person that's just this um, aura that's in the air that's the creator that we can't have a relationship with. No, when you and I invite someone to come and meet Jesus, we're inviting them to come and see the master. Man, come and see the one who is in complete control of your life. Come and see the one who desires to give you complete direction. Jesus said later in John 13, ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, why? For so I am. I am master in Jehovah. I want to say tonight that when we're inviting people to come to Christ, we're inviting them to come and see the master. Secondly, we're inviting them to come and see the Messiah. Man, to come and see the Messiah. The verses we read in verse 40 through 46 says this, one of the two which, held John, which heard John, I heard John speak, they followed him, followed Jesus. And that was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He, what did he do? He first findeth his own brother, Simon. After he spent that day with Jesus, he found his own brother, Simon, or Peter. And he said, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. And what did he do? He brought him to Jesus. And then Jesus beheld him, and he said, uh, thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt 
be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And the next day, the day following, what happened? Jesus went forth into Galilee and he found Philip. Well, what did he say to Philip? Two words, follow me. Same thing, come and see, come after me. Now, Philip, he was of Bethsaida, the same city of Andrew and Peter. And watch what Philip did. Philip findeth Nathanael. What did he do? He went to Nathanael. He said, Nathanael, we found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael's response, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And that again shows us the humility of Christ and the lowliness of Jesus coming from Nazareth, that town we talk about it around Christmas often, that town of the other side of the tracks that really uh, was only known because of a Roman garrison that would be dwelling there. And this town that was probably just a, a one-horse town, so to speak, town of 100, 150 people, unless the Roman garrison was there. And then it would be uh, an influx of, of troops that would be there. But Nazareth was known as the other side of the block, the other side of the tracks, the, the kind of the poor people area. And so Nathaniel says, can, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And what does Philip say? Come and see. Amen, come and see. Well, what is Philip inviting him to come and see? Come and see the Messiah. When Andrew <clears throat> met Jesus, I think it's interesting to note that it, he doesn't waste any time. He spent, he spent the day with Jesus, we know that. But as soon as the day was over, whether he stayed the night and got up the next morning or just spent the day there and left, straight away, where'd he go? And he went and found his brother. What'd he do? He went and found his brother. He said, man, I found him. I, f I found the Messiah. When Philip was called to follow Jesus, what'd he do? And he met Christ, understood who he was, and then went to Nathaniel. Hey, Hey, I found him. Well, who have you found? I found the Messiah. The Messiah means the anointed one. It means the Christ. Of course, the name Messiah, we, in our culture, we don't place too much uh, emphasis on the word Messiah often, but in the Jewish culture, we need to know that the Messiah, and of course, as Bible-believing Christians, we hold to this, that the Messiah was prophesied in the Old Testament. The Messiah would be the one that would come and, and for the Jews would lead them to, uh, to their inheritance and lead them to peace and lead them to uh, a sense of stability and a sense of strength. And, and really, the Messiah was something that was promised of, of olden days, prophesied from all the way from Genesis that the Messiah would come. And so we need to know tonight that the, the Jewish people, those Jews, these Hebrews that we read about, they wouldn't just flippantly go around using the term of the Messiah. They wouldn't just say, oh, maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe he's the Messiah. Maybe they wouldn't do that. No, when, when they claim to, to know or to understanding, we, we've got to understand this, that when they claim to know the Messiah, it is, a, it is a big deal. A few years ago when we were in Israel that first year, we, uh, Hannah and I were out one night and we were out in a little, a little shopping area that if you go with us, I'll take you to the shopping area, a great little place to, to buy things and an awesome little street called Ben Yehuda Street and it's just a, a great area. And they have different little restaurants and ice cream parlors and uh, jewelry stores and different things like that on Ben Yehuda Street, that area we go to. And one of the ice cream stores that we went in, we, we thought, man, we're just going to go in and get some ice cream tonight. It's a beautiful night, I don't know, probably 65, 70 degrees. And we were there and we went into this ice cream shop and got our ice cream. And we're sitting there eating ice cream. And there's three teenage girls that came in. And these three teenage girls, they came in and... I think, I think one of them was wearing um, a Pittsburgh hat or something like that, baseball cap. And I, uh, not, not the Steelers, it was, a, it was a team or something like that. It, not, not the football team, Mike, don't get your hopes up. Um, but they came in wearing a hat or something, or maybe a coat, and, and they, were, they were, of course, uh, speaking, speaking English, but they had, you know, just a, a, a thick accent. And I remember I just said, oh, are you guys, uh, are you from here? And they were like, oh, well, our family is. We actually are from the States. I said, oh, awesome. Where are you from? And 
well, we're from the, the Pittsburgh area or Boston area. I said, oh, that's, that's great. We're from the opposite side, Washington State. So what are you doing here? And we began to talk with these teenage girls and Hannah and I both. And as we talked with them, they were, they were there studying that Hebrew culture. That's their family. They're Jewish and from that Northeast area. And every, uh, every year they travel back and spend months in school. And sometimes they go and live there with family for years to learn their heritage and their culture. And then eventually many of them end up moving back to Jerusalem or Israel somewhere to, because they want to embrace that culture fully. And I remember as we make the story shorter, we begin to talk with him about everything. I just asked a question. I said, can I, can I ask you guys a question? What do you think, what do you think about the Messiah? And they began to expound to us all oh, the, the promised one and the prophets and these things. And then it was me or Hannah, I believe it was Hannah, just said, well, what do you guys think about Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth being the Messiah? And I'll never forget the answer that they gave because it was a similar answer that others gave. And it was, no, never really thought about that. I said, I was surprised. I said, really? You've never thought about that? They said, yeah. Yeah, our, our instructors all tell us that the Messiah has not come yet. And so we don't pay attention to anybody who claims to be the Messiah because based upon, and they begin to go into Hebrew law and, and the Hebrew prophecies and say, well, he hasn't come yet. I had the same response from a 93-year-old 90, lady at a pizza shop. Remember, Anita, you guys sitting there eating pizza, and uh, Hannah and I got engaged in that conversation with that older lady that was there, and she was 92, 93 years old, a Holocaust survivor, phenomenal story, and I asked her, well, what do you think about Jesus being the Messiah? And her daughter is there, and her daughter is a very much an Orthodox Jew, and her daughter just laughed. <laughs> He's not the Messiah, she says. He's just, he was just another teacher. So when you and I read in John 1 that Andrew and, and Philip would proclaim we found the Messiah, they're really proclaiming like, this is a big deal. He, he really is the anointed one. He really is the the promised one. He is the one that is going to restore the, the integrity of, of, of us as a nation. And he's the one that's going to bring peace. And he is the one that is going to bring stability. And, and they believed he's the one that's going to uh, break off the bondage of Rome. And, and this is the one. And that's what they were saying when they said, we have found the Messiah. When Nathaniel was told his response, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And I love Philip's response. It was just simple. And come and see. Hey, come and see for yourself. Can I say tonight that when you and I, when we really experienced, when we really experienced Christ, when we recognize who he is as the promised one of God that is the only one who can redeem the world, when we understand that to be true and we receive it into our life, there is going to be a desire to tell others about him. And I want to give you this thought that, and I don't mean to be mean, and I would never, of course, I hope you know my personality, I'd never want to be uh, condescending or condemning or try to guilt people. But if there isn't a desire ever to talk to people about Jesus Christ, uh, man, I would, I would just ask the Lord, God, what's going on in my heart? Well, I would never say you're not saved. I'm not talking about that. I know in my own heart, I, I, I go in and out of seasons of really having a desire to tell others about the Lord and times when I'm just like, you know what? Forget it. Who cares? And you say, pastor, you do that? Yeah, there's times when I don't want to hand out a gospel track. There's times when I just want to mind my own business. And there's times when I just, you know what? When we're at those times, we need to kind of do a heart check and realize like, man, I've met the Messiah. I've met the promised one. I met that one we talked about this morning that as the crowds cried out, crucify him, he didn't, he didn't fight back. The one that truly laid his life down to, to give his life so that you and I might have eternal life. Man, that is the, the Messiah we're speaking about. And when I 
tell somebody to come and see. I'm inviting them to come and see the Messiah. Why? He truly is. He truly is the anointed one sent by God to redeem people. This is the same thing that the woman at the well in John 4 said. A passage we preach every September in our church is John 4, 28 and 29, when it says, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, hey, come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Messiah, the Christ? I say everybody who needs, every, every, every single person in this world needs to meet the Messiah. And when we invite people to, to come to an Easter service, or we invite people to, to view a service online, we're not inviting them to, to see a, a pastor, although that day I, I hope that the message will be a help to people. We're not inviting them to, to just experience good music, although I'm praying that that Sunday our music would just exalt and glorify the Lord and be, and be great in quality. We're not inviting them to come and just meet an incredible church family, which I believe on that day they will. People will be able to come and to meet a church family that loves the Lord and is moving forward for him. All of those things are good, but you know what we're doing? We're saying, hey, you got to come and see the anointed one. Man, come and meet the Messiah. When we invite people to come and see, we're inviting them to come and see the master, the master of life, to come and see the, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But lastly tonight, we're inviting them to come and see the miracle worker and the one who works miracles. Notice, if you will, the passage, John chapter 1, verse 47, down through verse number 51, it says this, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him. This is what, this is what Jesus says to Nathanael. Behold an Israel, Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Now, just real quick, let's set up the thought. Here's what Jesus, I mean, as Nathanael's coming, Jesus says to him approaching, Dennis, come here real quick. As Nathanael's walking towards him, so stop right there. That's Nathanael, I'm Jesus. And as Nathanael's walking towards him, now you can come. He says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. What a compliment. I mean, he's looking at Nathaniel and he's saying, man, you have a great heritage. You know who you are and you work to live by the teachings that you've been given. That phrase in whom is no guile, that's what that carries. That, that carries that weight of you are working at living out your life as a child of God, as a people from God. That's what that statement is. And Nathaniel's response, Nathaniel's response, it's not necessarily sarcastic, but it's, it's kind of like, whence knowest thou me? That's what he says, right? How do you know me? How do, how do you know who I am? Who are you? I'm, I mean, great, thank you for the compliment, but have I met you? Go to the next verse. Thanks, bud. You did a great job just walking to me. Uh, go to the next verse and notice what it says. I love what Jesus says. It says, Jesus answered, and he said unto him, I love it, before that Philip called thee, when you were sitting under the fig tree, that's when I saw you. That's when I saw thee. <clears throat> there's a lot. There's, there's too much to tell about people's speculation regarding, uh, regarding this. Here's what people think, that Nathaniel at some point was, was sitting that day and he is sitting by himself under a fig tree somewhere. Many writers and authors believe that as he's sitting there that perhaps he was, we, we'll never know this until heaven, he was wrestling with some thoughts, wrestling with some doubts, struggling internally, asking questions that all of us ask, what's going on in life, what's who am I? What's my purpose? And, and many people believe that he was thinking some of that because then when Jesus, when he says, how do you know me? Jesus says to him, hey, you know everything that you were just thinking underneath that fig tree? I knew you. I knew you. 
Notice Nathanael's response. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you're the master. He says, thou art the son of, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. But what's interesting is what Jesus says next. Notice the next verse. Jesus answered and said unto him, wait, wait, wait. Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Nathaniel, you're, you're believing simply because I said that I saw you underneath the fig tree? And then notice what he says. Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, Jesus speaking to Nathanael, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Basically, and again, we don't have time and I need to be done tonight, but we don't have the time to dig into what Jesus was giving to Nathanael, but I, I really love this passage. Because Jesus was saying to Nathanael, you're believing only because I said I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael, wait to see what I've got in store for you. Nathanael, wait to see the incredible miracles that you're going to see. You remember at the beginning of the message when I said it would be amazing to get in on the ground floor of the ministry of Christ? Here's why I think that. If you go and you do research on the life of Jesus and um, Micah, my son, we were talking yesterday. He said, Dad, knew and knowing I was preaching this message, he said, Dad, wouldn't it be cool if, if you preach sometimes just a, a whole study of the life of Jesus and start at Christmas and end on Easter? And I said, well, but I actually did that. He went, really? I said, yeah. Of course, he's in the kids' class on Sunday mornings at that age. I said, about five years ago. Now, now it's been probably six years ago. I said, we started a series on Christmas. It was Christmas of 2014, I think. We started the life of Christ at the birth. And we went all the way to Easter, studying the life of Christ. It wasn't that Easter. It was two Easter's later. It was 100, I think 121 or 122 messages, a chronological order of the life of Christ. You know what I learned as I went through that study, and, and probably I'm looking around, I think probably only five or six of you that are in here now, we're here, maybe it's time I bust that series out, we do it again, you know. I love that series, but here's what, I, here's what I found that was so interesting. Towards the end of the life of Christ, Jesus had got momentum, people knew who he was, there was a lot of the followers, and, and towards the end of his ministry, you read about multitudes following him. You know what you read about during the beginning? You read about Jesus and just a handful of people. Why I think it'd be awesome to get in on the, that ground ministry of Christ. I think it'd be awesome because you imagine all those things you get to see. And Philip and Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel and, and uh uh, others, they would have been with Christ from the very first recorded miracle all the way to the cross. What an incredible experience, Brother Jim. I, I mean, just to, just to watch, just to be there, just to go through all of that. This is exactly what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel. Hey, you just wait and see what I have in store. Now, let me give you a quick application on this thought. When you and I invite people to come and see Christ, we're inviting them to come and see the miracle worker. You know what we're saying to them? Hey, just wait and see what Jesus has in store for you. If you've been saved for any length of time, no doubt in your life you can look and you can think about the many incredible miracles that God has worked in your life. Oh, I'm not talking about just a miraculous healing of some sort. I just want to say, think about the incredible miracles internally that have gone on in your life. Think about the joy that has been there when you've gone through deep hurts. Think about the forgiveness that you've had towards somebody that, that you knew it was only God that could help you with that. Think about the external demonstration of the work of God in your life and family members who have trusted Christ and finances that have lasted when they shouldn't have lasted and relationships that have been saved and prayers that have been answered. 
All of that came after you received Christ as your Savior, and that receiving of Christ is the greatest miracle. And yet Jesus says, just wait and see what I have in store. As a matter of fact, in the book of Corinthians, he says that about heaven. He says, you, you think this world is beautiful. You just wait. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things that I have in store for you. In Joshua, Joshua said it this way to the people of Israel. He said, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The psalmist said, thou art the God that doest wonders and has declared thy strength among the people. Can I say tonight that believing in Jesus is just the start of the miracles in the life of a believer? Man, believing in Christ is just the beginning of the miracles. I'll be honest tonight, and I don't mean to pick on Veronica and Carlos, but as I was finalizing my notes this afternoon and, and putting just some final thoughts in the application here, you guys came to my mind. And I, I just thought, Robert, uh, you're back there. I'm picking on you again, Robert. Uh, but I, I just thought with, with Carlos, man, who could have seen seven years ago when this teenage, teenage boy came in and didn't know anything about our church. His mom, I think you, you'd come like twice before like that or something, hadn't it? Maybe just, maybe just a couple of weeks. And Carlos comes in. And he's just this little, I'm not going to say anything. He's just this, this high school kid. What were you in, ninth grade, Carlos, or 10th grade? 10th grade. Just going into 10th grade. Just finish your ninth grade year. And here he is, and I, I remember, I can, I can close my eyes and see it. We had, of course, at that time, we were still doing the greeting time. I can close my eyes and see right here, right here as the greeting time's going on, I'm meeting Carlos for the very first time, and he's telling me about Isaac, and his, Isaac's his uncle, and Veronica's his mom. Oh, okay, cool. And I remember talking to him a little bit, and I, it was either then or right after church. I was like, hey, how old are you? And he told me, I was like, dude, you need to go to teen camp. It's coming up. He's like, I ain't going to teen camp, man. I don't know you people. I don't know anything about this place. You know, had that mind. Listen, just a few short months later, Carlos would ask Jesus Christ to come into his life. And, and of course, Veronica had got saved. And, and God began where, listen. How in the world, as a pastor who had been pastoring just a few years, I could never have imagined that this 15-year-old kid six, seven years from now is going to be the children's pastor at our church. I'd never see that. I talked yesterday about Leo. Yesterday morning, we had our donuts and doors, and Leo uh, gave the challenge in the morning. And he gave the challenge from Luke chapter number one. And he gave the challenge about, about Zacharias. And, and about Zacharias kind of doubting the word of the Lord, but being a messenger. And, and then he just brought down this application of, you know what, let's be people of faith. We know that God has said that he's gonna do something great. Let's believe it, let's pray for it, and let's go out and reach others. And honestly, Brother Craig, it, it, was, it was awesome yesterday. And I was sitting in the back as uh, doing the sound, I was just sitting in the back and and, and here's what dawned on me, Leo, and I'm not saying any of this to puff up anybody in our church. I'm saying it because of the miracle working God that we serve. Leo, I sat in the back and I, I, I tweeted out a tweet. I'm gonna, I'll read it right now. If I can open my, my things up here. Carlos or uh, Brian, you can come tell me how to do this. How do you pull up old tweets? Here's what I tweeted out. Tweeted. I said, just a simple tweet. I want to praise God for how he works and how he changes lives. It's so awesome to see God continually work in people and to watch those same people move forward for him. I truly love serving him at Moses Lake Baptist with awesome people. That's what came to my heart yesterday because I, I was sitting there and I remember, and I told Leo this yesterday, I remember nine years ago, Mike, when Leo came to church the very first time, and Mike said, hey, pastor, you see that guy right there? He's a rough dude. We need to pray for him. He was a bus kid. 
pastor in the church that used to be here. He was a bus kid years ago. And I remember Leo. I'll start crying. I remember Leo just going to Mike afterwards and, and Mike helping Leo settle his salvation, Leo getting reassurance of his salvation. And then Mike took Leo through discipleship. And I don't know about you, but I love Leo. And you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not saying this to puff up Leo, puff up Mike, puff up Veronica, puff up Carlos, any of that. Here's what I'm saying. We have a miracle working God. And when you get saved, it's just the beginning of the incredible life that God has in store. And here's why I say that tonight. There are Veronica's and Carlos's and Tom's and Leo's and Dale's and Christie's and Mike's. There, listen, there are people all out there. There are people all out there who they need Jesus Christ, not only because he's the master of life, not only because he's the Messiah, but because he's got some incredible things in store for them. But you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for an Andrew or a Philip or a woman at the well or a maniac of Gadara. <laughs> Listen to the maniac of Gadara, Mark chapter 5, 19 and 20. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. He, the maniac wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said no, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis, 10 cities, how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. And if you do the research, this place, the region of Decapolis, Jesus was pushed away. Hey, go away. We don't want you here. But just a few short months later, Jesus would enter back into Decapolis to a reception of multitudes. What made the difference? I believe it was the maniac of Gadara. He was the only one there whose life had truly been changed and truly been touched that we know about in Scripture. And what did he do? He went about publishing in 10 cities, Decapolis, this region of 10 cities. What was he publishing? Hey, he works miracles in my life. Can I just say tonight, we have a town of people waiting for miracles. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting to meet the master of life. And so here's my challenge. Be an Andrew. Be a Philip. Be a representative of Christ that simply says, come and see Hey, just come and see. And I think we'll be amazed at what God does when we step out to be the people that say, come and see. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. <clears throat> every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wanna, I'm gonna read a, a quote to you that I want you to think about as we're closing. The thought is this, deceivers, they maintain their followers by keeping them at a distance. But Jesus Christ says, come and see. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.